Well, hello there. This is Jim, the Keys Bartender with the Keys Bartender Podcast, the podcast about bartending and life and Keys life. Or life slash Keys life. I'm never going to be able to figure that out. But we are here in the beautiful, partly cloudy, sunny, partly sunny, partly cloudy, Florida Keys, and always warm. Or most of the time warm. Looking for fantasizing about those days where the temperature drops a bit. When it goes into the 60s. And that will be months and months from now. Months and months. I guess that would be at least two months. I'm thinking at least two months. So it's October. No, it's uh, August. It'll be October. Maybe November. What? Who knows? Yeah, it's always good. It's always an event when it drops into, when you open up the windows. You just open up the windows and let it go. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm not going to talk about the weather anymore. What I wanted to do was talk about troubleshooting at work. Things like your POS system, your draft system, your soda guns. If you're like me, I like to think of the whole system when something's happening. When it comes to a soda gun, if there's no CO2, it could be the carbonator. It's a system that, um, that mixes the water with the CO2 so that you're getting carbonated water coming out of the gun and it's being mixed with the syrups. Or it could be the CO2 itself. You know, with these simpler systems like that, it could be power, it could be an empty CO2 tank. It could be kind of like a switch, almost like a solenoid switch, where it knows when to kick on and carbonate that, you know, making all that carbonated liquid. But usually what happens many times, even with the simpler systems, my first instinct is not the correct answer. So it's not always the CO2, even though I check the pressure level, see how much CO2 is in the tank and things like that. Same thing with the draft system. If something's foaming up too much, the beer, I'm thinking the beer might be warm. So I check the temperature first. I go through these quick steps because normally I'm under a time restrictions. I have to get it done quick and I'm trying to, you know, you don't want to throw a lot of product out when you're pouring draft beer, I look at the temperature, I see the temperature right is right on the temperature gate on the outside. And then I think, well, maybe the handle's not engaged correctly. And I'll go and check that. The handle to the keg, yeah, where you put the, um, uh, you know, the tubing, on, oh my God, the hoses for your draft system. And there's always a possibility in our own system there used to be a valve inside the box that could be open and closed. So I just tick these in my head down, go through them real quick. Sometimes it's not apparent because the cooler could be cold, but the keg could have just been put in. And the keg could have arrived on a truck that was not as well refrigerated as we'd like it to be. So the beer got up to like 50 degrees and we all know if you're an experienced bartender when the beer is too warm coming out of the keg system 
it'll it'll foam up. So you need so you need to cool down the contents and things like that. But you, usually you find out you finally eventually it either works out or it doesn't. And like I said, my first instincts are not normally the right ones, but it's things you have to do. And you also have to decide while you're making these decisions on the fly, looking at them, how much time you want to invest in fixing it. With the POS system, if we had a problem with our POS system and the power went down or credit card machine went down, we'd have to, uh, if it affected the ordering, let's say we lose power in the place, then we have to do hand tickets. That's saying if we don't have power, we're still ever uh, able to cook because, you know, the fans, the hoods would be off and the fans wouldn't be taking the heat out of the kitchen. The kitchen could get too hot for people to work in. So you have to balance the time you want to fix something with your likelihood of being able to fix it and then continue because you only have a certain amount of time. Um, unless you're working in a place where you have extra people around that can just work on things. And usually the person that's the expert on the system is the one that uses it the most. So the bartender usually is best suited for fixing problems when it comes to like kegs soda delivery system, um, computer, that's everyone, but then there's a manager that knows what to do on that. And at some point you have to decide uh, if it's so critical to business, like the hoods, that means you're not cooking anymore. And if you can stay open without the hoods being on and it's being too hot, you can just do drinks, you can stay open, otherwise you have to close. So you work, you're, you're making decisions on how to fix something while you're also making decisions on how critical is that system to the operation of your business. And you got to do it quick. So it happens, a lot of times they happen at the peak times. At, at peak, uh, peak area of population in, in the restaurant. Saturday night, 8 o'clock. The keg system goes down. It's foaming up. Where nothing's coming out, you gotta do a quick fix. And you say, when when all the beer is like, uh, I'm gonna go through some of the interesting, let's say it's foaming too much, right? So you check the temperature, the temperature's right in the cooler, it's in the 30s, let's say 38, 39, 40, whatever, that should be fine. The kegs have been in there for a while. You check your, uh, you check your handles, blah, blah, blah. Everything's running fine. You, you still can't get it right after working through the three things you know you can do with it, work on the handle, screwing it on, making sure the, the hoses aren't kinked. So it's not like a garden hose where you you know have a, a blockage. And once you can't fix it, you got to move on. You don't have that. You don't have the, uh, you don't have the draft beer. You don't have that particular beer. You just move on. And you, you, you wait for another opportunity to do it. And you just got to weigh that against the total operations, the cost of your total operations. And for us, let's say you lose your Miller Lite draft. Well, you got Miller Lite bottles. You're going to just have to work on with that. And then when things go on, you just don't want to stop everything just because your Miller Lite draft isn't working. For a POS system issue, you work on that for a couple minutes, but you can't hold up your business. It's busy, eight o'clock. You got to start. You got to switch over to hand tickets. 
if you can't get your POS system uh, issue resolved, where it's not communicating with your kitchen or printing anything out, you're gonna have to go back to handwritten kittens, uh, tickets. So problem solvings are kind of go hand in hand with the um, fixing. And the problem is how do you conduct business when, when things aren't going right? And how do you react to that? I don't react as well. I had a friend last night come in. She and her husband come in regularly. And she says, a Friday, you're going to be nice on Friday. I said, you know, we normally, it's our busiest night. And when I'm really busy, this person comes up and kind of circumvents her contact with the restaurant, which is their server. They're at a table and they come up to the bar and Usually, right at peak time, I'm running around doing all this stuff. If I don't have any problems, I'm not at my best. That's without any problems. My body goes into a different mode when it's under stress. Like, I shut down. The affability I have, the smile disappears. I get serious. I start moving. I think about the task at hand. And that's pumping out drinks making sure foods get into the customers, making sure orders go into the computer and things like that. So that issue with me changing my demeanor is a problem with the system. And I got to figure out how to fix that. My first instinct is to think, well, Jim, whenever you're under stress, you just don't behave the same way. And that would be if, and that, that would be an objective thing to say if what I was doing was hurting the operations. Now, when things are at its busiest, that's when I have to be at my most efficient and the optimum speed of, of being able to deliver drinks, take the orders, deliver the food, do all those things. And then I have very limited amount of excess energy to think about the smiling and doing all that stuff. I guess I can't divide it. I can't divide it. But I have people telling me that all the time. You know, when you get under the gun, Jim, you don't handle it very well. And I've been working on that. I've been working on it. And you always hear these old adages, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But I want to learn a new trick. I want to learn a new trick because that is the best thing for me. I know the sidetrack off the item, but that's the best thing for me to do something differently. I have always felt that uh, I've had a boost in my energy whenever I'm able to change the way I do something. And when I say change the way I do something, change it for the better. And that's the next thing. I want. And so I was looking into that difficulty of the systems. And one of the thing about systems, when I was talking about systems, when I talked about draft system, POS system, uh, and you know, the, the items under the purview of the bartender, I think of complications. I, with draft, there's you know, the CO2, your tubes, your refrigeration, uh, you know, whether there's a leak in the vacuum, whatever, the pressure system, the pressure beer delivery system is pressurized. And the lines are clean and all that stuff. After that, everything should run pretty pretty good, right? 
there's only a couple things that can go wrong. As you get more complicated, like you would moving through the CO2 delivery to the soda guns, that's a little more complicated, slightly more difficult, and much more difficult POS system because something goes on with the POS system. You say your orders are double ordering, meaning you order once, you change the, uh, you add something to the check, and it sends the order again. So you end up getting two items sent instead of one. That gets more complicated because POS systems are complicated because of programming. And you can have, depending on the complexity of the program, and they're very complex now, you could have a um, problem with the code itself, the programming, or a problem with one of the subroutines. When you order food, you come up and you hit chicken parmesan sandwich, you hit french fries, and then you hit modification because you want to change the cheese on the chicken parmesan sandwich. That's where the problem could be, but it's hard to detect. Now, see how I build up from the beginning? This, the, the, the draft system, the, CO, the, the soda system, the POS. Well, the human mind is much more complex than all those systems. So if I'm wrong doing all those things, much, much like I'm wrong when I try to decide what's wrong with my refrigerator or my car my first instincts are usually wrong there's something else wrong with it because i can logically think something through because of my understanding of the way the system works like the refrigeration unit and i hear the fan going and for some reason it's not cool inside, but the fan's running and stuff like that. Oh, it could be because the water pan's full and stuff like that. There's some kind of leak occurring in the system. I lost refrigerant. You know, or the pumps that work internally that compress the gas. It's compressing the gas, the, the, the Freon, that causes the cooling process when the gas expands. It expands through coils that... Uh, create the act of refrigerate, refrigerant. We, we guess if you ever took one of those, uh, you know, spray cans, and you spray it on, let's say, a wound, you feel it's cool. That's vaporization causes is a cooling process, and condensing that in the end, bringing it together and taking that mist or gas and putting it again make it into a liquid again creates heat but you know what me understanding that doesn't mean I'm going to be able to fix it same thing goes with my brain so I had that person tell me say listen Jim are you going to be nice I said I don't know and it's so the human body and this is where I talk about being able to fix things it's your option of walking away from an issue isn't like walking away from your Miller Lite draft. If it's not running correctly and you take the tap off and say, we don't have Miller Lite draft, you're going to have to get in a bottle today. You're, you don't have that option when it comes to your operating system, your person. And you think, well, I'd like to fix this. I don't want to break down. Because my reactions, 
if they're too negative, affect the people around me and affect the clientele. And sometimes I let that emotion run wild with me when I, I get so drastic a change. When I get under the gun, when I get under pressure, when it's extreme pressure, when there's an emergency and something like that, I'm there. I'm really kind of like the person. Some people perform well. The more pressure you put on, the more focused they become. I think that's what's occurring for me. I get more focused and it drains the energy that I had before to be contented, affable. I mean, a lot of times when I'm not under pressure, I'm kind of snarky because my brain, I have the ex- I'm thinking. I'm thinking too much. And when I'm under pressure, I think I might be thinking too little. Like sometimes when I'm thinking too much, I'm thinking some bad thoughts. I get kind of negative. I get a little snarky. I get a little sarcastic. And that, Or when my body's tense and I'm just thinking about putting out drinks, putting out food, taking orders, getting ahead. And when I say getting ahead, getting ahead of the workload. Making sure that there aren't 40 glasses in my sink. That there's not 12 drinks to be made. That there aren't 12 customers that need to order their food. And there isn't five. That all happens at the same time. So I would like to figure out how to do it. So I always try to do a piecemeal. What can I do to change that? Because my whole system, my whole body seems to react to that. And that would be, that's my next big challenge. My next big challenge. I'm trying to think. When, when I'm brought up with stress or a problem, instead of reacting with, it's almost like a limbic system with my lizard brain, I want to operate with the front brain and say, listen, I'm going to try to do both. Use that. Um, I don't know which hemispheres are being engaged in my brain or not, but I want to be uh, focused on performing the task at hand and also being pleasant. And I know if I'm pleasant and I'm smiling while I'm doing it, my body feels it. And under the, the, the current system that I work under when I create that, and I do that when I'm working with, when I'm working with uh, technology, Let's say I'm trying to do something online with my family and I get, uh, oh, what are you, I, I get real frustrated. And that leaks out. I am horrible. I let the worst part of m- me come out under stress when I'm doing a technology, when I'm driving, when I'm focused on, I shouldn't be thinking of things that are important in a conversation when I'm under stress. I got to lay it all aside, you know? And I think that works for everyone, but I'm going to try to keep a log of this and be able to report on it and see how it's done. Fortunately, with all those things that happen and how I've accepted I'm like that. I used to be offended or hurt when someone said to me, you know, Jim, when this happens, you turn into a bit of an asshole. Or a lot of an asshole. And I'll think, 
You're right. You're right. And then I'll think I am a piece of shit. But um, am I really? I'm not saying the behavior is correct. I'm just saying this is just a way I unconsciously behave when something happens. And me trying to change that is a worthy pursuit. And that would be something that um, will provide me an opportunity for growth and happiness and may make it better all around if I can just figure that out and just move ahead. Because I've been laboring under the same set of behaviors for such a long time. 20 years ago, it would be, well, at the end of the day, I'd just go and get blotto drunk. Maybe a little high. And then I'd have to recover the next day and then kind of like you're rebuilding. It's like you're damaging, you're damaging, I'm causing brain damage in order to start again the next day and forget. Well, now I'm, I don't forget because I'm not doing those behaviors I did before. So all I'm left with is a remembrance of my bad behavior. And I wonder if people are looking at me and they say, boy, this guy is bipolar. And it could be the textbook explanation for bipolar, but I don't think it is bipolar because I do realize it's happening while I'm doing it. And the realization is the part that takes away mental, not realizing, takes away mental competency. If you do things beyond your conscious uh, awareness, then are you truly responsible? And there's different levels. I know there's legalese for that when it comes to uh, tort law, when you do things wrong. I'm just talking about, and doing and behavior is doing things wrong. Is It may not just be physically acting out. It's just be that your behavior is different. It's just that I think I'm shutting down the front the front part of my brain or the deep thinking part of the brain, the brain that makes me, uh, that lifts me up, makes me want to be nice to people. Because when I'm in the middle of things, I become narcissistic. And my, I, I think of, I become narcissistic, not entirely narcissistic because if it's if I'm the task I'm performing, I make that the importance. The glasses being washed, the uh, drinks being made, the food being served, getting that. And it's not about the feeling of the person. It's about performing the task. And it it's not necessarily about me. It's about those tasks. Then I could say, well, I'm not being narcissistic. I'm, I'm, I'm behaving, acting out as if I'm a, a narcissist when I get angry and striking out and things like that. It's I'm being maybe protective of my task. And I just got to make it lighter and say, listen, I got to do this. And if I don't do it, it doesn't get done. And that's okay. Because in the end, some person... It doesn't matter. Some people will say, I wanted to get my drink now. I didn't want to have to wait one minute later. 
Or people say, I don't care if I get it one minute later. I just want to be able to talk to you and see that you're relaxed and things like that. I think that balance is out, right? I just have to be able to accept that in my head. And it may sound narcissistic because I'm wanting, I'm wanting people to think well of me. I just want people to think well of their situation where they are right there. Like sitting at the bar is not a bad thing and they're enjoying themselves. And that's an old other, other can of worms when it comes to how people should think when they're at the bar. There's people that come in and they have horrible things going on in their lives. And they're coming in to, uh, from camarader- camaraderie and to forget. And they don't need to see some guy stressing out behind the bar. Someone they think they know really well. And they don't want to say, well, all for all the things he has together, he doesn't really... He doesn't really walk that walk all the time. And I realize I don't. I realize I don't. I have to be fair about that. But I do realize that I strive not to be that way. I strive not to be that way. Just admit it. Everyone loses their cool and stuff like that and say, listen, you always behave like this. You're not going to change. You're not going to change. I I have a problem with that kind of reasoning because you know, people can change and the effort of changing, making effort to change is worthy in and of itself. And then the steps we take and the attempts we make to do that change. When I was originally trying to quit smoking years ago, 30 years ago, I went on these, you may have heard if you listen to the show, I went on long hikes, really long hikes. I'm talking, and now it's going to sound like an exaggeration, over 25 miles. I would do, on my day off, I'd pack a backpack, load it up with water, food, have my wallet in there and stuff like that, put on my hiking boots, and I would go. And there was a long park system in Philadelphia, and it was uh, the trail was 9.9 miles. So going to the park and coming back, was a mile or two, two miles maybe. And so that would end up being around 23 miles. And then I would start taking longer circuitous walks going further away to get to the park. And I think I made it up to like 27, 28 miles. That's a a decent walk. And I could cover it in about, I don't want to exaggerate too much. It's about five and a half, six hours. And I did that so I was occupied uh, doing something else so I didn't think about smoking. I was just thinking about being able to walk and keep on going on. And then I got used to it and things like that. And then I, I had time to think about everything. Your, body, your, your body's amazing when it comes like that. It, it is amazing. Like, and as I said... To what you feel when you're doing something, when you're struggling, let's say running, all you're thinking about is struggling when you're running, struggling breathing, struggling with your breath, struggling with your muscles. Uh, but once you get used to doing something, your brains kick in, your, your different parts of your brain, instead of like the, the conscious part where you're thinking about, I'm not going to be able to do this. And then... You have the you know you can do it, so you actually can contribute more energy to thinking about other things. 
And usually when I get under stress at work and things like that, I stop thinking about everything that I'm concerned about in life. And I'm thinking about the, I get dialed in. It's almost like that when you um, see it's a cinematography uh, effect where everything focuses down. And it comes down to a small circle. I'm making it visual. But a big circle coming down to a small circle. And then I got tunnel vision. The task at hand. People, I ignore the people that are talking to me. I look at drinks, this, that, and everything. I try to use this in life and think, what, what can I do? I can come better at what I do. And it, it just seems like when I introduce certain stimuli, everything kind of focuses down again, whenever it's certain types of stimuli. And when I start focusing in on that and start cutting other things out, I got to think of a coping mechanism of how to do it. And sometimes it may be the fact in, uh, I just have to stop doing what I'm doing for like five seconds. Just stop breathe and think about it just put that comma in there so it's not a you know my actions are metaphorically a run-on sentence and it's nothing good i want to put a pause in there and say start smile sorry i went there for a moment that sounds crazy but i mean it could work it could work, but I'm, I'm going to think about it. that's my That's my next step. I'm going to do that in the middle. Uh, I'll try to do it here when I'm working on it. It used to have this when I was doing a podcast and I was having a problem with the software and I'm thinking about the, how to work the equipment and keep everything together. But you see, as I'm more relaxed around it, I can dedicate more of my conscious thought to delivering a somewhat less scattered thought process and I'm going to write that down and say my attempts I'm going to try that today I'm going to try that today tonight hopefully it'll be busy enough and then I'll really have to really kick in the gear then another thing I want to work on is uh, how I'm I don't want to be uh, I don't want to sound weak and stuff like that but everyone gets this I don't care how hard a person you are, but there's people that come into your life on a regular basis. If you have regular people coming into your life, regular people, people coming regularly into your life on, on, a, uh, on a regular basis, not a random basis. Like someone randomly enters your life and stuff like that. You don't predict, it's not predictable. You didn't expect to meet that person. But there's some people that come in and you always have the same type of reaction to them. You think, oh my God, this person's going to be talking about their cat, how cute their cat is, and you show me pictures about that. Oh no, this person's going to complain about their work. You know, you say this. This person's going to talk about the weather, blah, 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 blah. This person didn't sleep well. They're going to talk about that. Uh, everything. This person's going to be talking about this other person, how they're angry at them. And... Even before they open their mouth, sometimes you look at them and you think, you already start getting that response. And sometimes you think, wow. And sometimes they do something and confirm the reaction you're having to them. And then it just, 
it just reaffirms that reaction, ingrains it deeper into us. But if I can just look at that person, instead of getting upset, I can just get motivated and say, listen, I'm going to get myself to like this person, like to be around them, enjoy their company, enjoy what they have to say. And they say, you know, they really want to, they really mean well. And they, I'm sure when they, they come into a room, they don't want that automatic reaction from me. Now, I'm able to do that. I consciously, I consciously think that. When I have a problem with someone and they come in and sometimes it's someone I didn't meet because there's some trigger there, right? The way they behave, how rude they are. When you think about it, it's like there's two guys a couple of weeks ago. One of them came off as kind of a dickhead and the other seemed all right. But in, I guess, since it's association with when you're hanging out with a dickhead and you're friends with a dickhead, yeah, I'm thinking you're a dickhead. Uh, or an asshole, or a douchebag, whatever you want to be called. And I could be that way too. I'm sure I, I was, when people come in, I'm sure there's people that say, oh, this guy reminds me of this person. And I just have to, like, really, I know I can do it, and I know we can do it again. I know when I walk into a, a situation that I can alter my mental aspect and it's not a magic trick why wouldn't you be able to alter the way you feel about something it's you if you can control anything you should attempt to control the things you think and the things you do because thinking about other people controlling what they think and what they do is a recipe for failure so this is what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to think of the simplest way. My simplest system is to be positive. When I start going to that place that I don't want to be and I don't want to show, but I, and I think as I get older, I have a less of a fear of letting people know and I get more open about describing how I am. It, it shouldn't be easier for me to behave that way, but I think that was an unwanted side effect. That once I can't be able to say, well, this is the way I am when I do that. It's okay. Well, it could be okay, but it's not something I really want to do. Just like I may not want mint chocolate chip. I'd rather have strawberry. Right? Or milk chocolate. I don't have to automatically say, well, just accept that behavior. So that's what I'm going to attempt. And I know I dragged that out a little. I do appreciate your time. I hope you have a great day. Um, I will keep you up to date. I'm going to try to write for episode 743. I'll put update on plan to become the number one podcaster in the world. No. No, to become a decent person when I'm under stress. And one final thought before I go. I was talking to a friend prior to this uh, episode, and uh, I'm going to be in the next, I think, week or two, I'm going to be introducing some merch. It'll be hats, uh, T-shirts, tank tops, uh, coffee mug, and wine goblet to begin with. 
because you know nowadays you can do anything. I can do. I mean, pretty much anything you really want to do with it. I can make Keys bartender. I'm not going to say it, but if I wanted to, I could make Keys bartender dildos if I wanted to, right? In multiple different sizes, right? Uh, I don't know why I threw that out there, and I guess I shouldn't for the end of the show. But I'm going to be introducing that, and uh, I was thinking about. And someone said, "Oh, you'll probably get more sponsors from that." And I said, "All I need is one sponsor, one sponsor." Someone like the Sultan of Brunei used to be one of the wealthiest guys in the world. Still probably be the, one of the uh, wealthiest guys in the world. Maybe. And he says, listen, uh, whatever accent he has in the, the Malaysian archipelago. I think that's the way to say it. Um, the chain of islands. Uh, I'm going to give you $10 million a year and you're going to talk about the topics I want to. And I say, well, that's fine, Sultan. You're my number one. You're my only sponsor. Thank you for buying um, eight million hats. Appreciate it. Uh, that'll be it. I'll be back in a. I'll be back tomorrow probably. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye.